if you guys have been with us over the past few months, you know that we are working our way through the Gospel of Luke, looking at all kinds of different stories about Jesus. So I'm going to invite you to make your way there. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10 uh, this evening. And as you guys are finding your way there, uh, just a little bit of, of reminder, backstory for us of where we've been. So uh, over the past few months, we've looked at lots of different types of stories with uh, Jesus and, and, and the stories in Luke. So we've seen character stories, uh, and in the character stories, we've learned things from uh, different characters, people that we have uh, been looking at, people like Mary, uh, Elizabeth, Zechariah, John the Baptist, all these different people. We've learned kind of lessons from these different people. Uh, other types of stories that we've seen in the Gospel of Luke, we've seen teaching. So over the past month or so, we've been looking at a sermon uh, that Jesus shared, and, and it's just very clear, very simple. Uh, this is what you should believe, and it's Jesus teaching uh, us through those times. And also, we've seen miracle stories. So there have been different points where uh, we've seen Jesus do something supernatural. And, and what Luke is doing there is he's showing us the authority of who Jesus is. He's showing us uh, the importance of who Jesus is and uh, the significance of uh, what it is that Jesus came to do. So uh, what we're going to look at tonight as we look at this story from Luke chapter 7 is uh, we're going to be looking at a, a miracle where uh, Jesus goes and, and uh, heals a centurion servant. So uh, we're going to see a, a miracle here, but this story is less of a miracle story where we learn a lot about Jesus and more of a character study. So as we look through this, what we're looking at tonight is a character study that shows us uh, some really important things for us based on the things that we see in the centurion, in this Roman soldier and his uh, interactions with Jesus. So uh, the bulk of the event focuses on this centurion. And so as we uh, look at the passage for this week, we're going to look at it a little bit differently than normal. So normally we, we go through and we look at uh, this chunk of the story and then this chunk of the story and then this chunk of the story. Uh, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at the characters uh, we're going to focus in on who these characters were, on what we see from them, on uh, different details that, that they bring to the story. So uh, just to, to highlight the characters before we read through this for the first time, our main protagonist in the story is this Roman soldier, uh, this centurion that is described here. We also have his sick servant uh, that he's asking Jesus to heal. Uh, we also have uh, what are described as Jewish elders and also his friends uh, that come to Jesus. And then we've got Jesus himself. So uh, those are our characters that we're going to be looking at. Now, as we get into this, centurions were fairly ordinary people. But this centurion is no ordinary man. We're going to see something extraordinary about this centurion and his concern for his servant as we look at this story this week. So uh, we're going to read through the story, get an idea of where we're going, and then go back and look at some of these key characters. Let's read Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. It says in verse 1, When he had completed all his discourse, Jesus, in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. And a centurion's slave, who was highly regarded by him, was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders, asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he, the centurion, loves our nation, and it is he who built us our synagogue. Now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. 
but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. When those who had sent had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Let's pray together, church. God, we want to pause and just thank you for your word. God, we want to thank you for the way that you speak to us, that you reveal yourself to us. God, you have no need of us, but God, you choose to love us and choose to have a relationship with us. And so God, we thank you for that. God, we thank you that, that we can hear directly from you through your word tonight. So as we look at this story of how Jesus interacted with this Roman soldier. God, we pray that, God, that you would help us to be uh, people who, God, who lay ourselves humbly before you. God, who, who come with, with no ulterior motives. God, with no uh, preset agenda. But God, that we would just open our hearts and open our minds before you tonight. And God, allow you to speak through your word to us. So God, as we look at this story, we pray that, God, that we would learn things, that we would have faith, that we would have humility, that we would have some of these characteristics that we're going to see from this Roman soldier. And God, we pray that you would do your work in our lives that only you can do. So we give this time to you and we pray all this in Jesus's beautiful, precious, holy name. Amen. All right, so the first group of characters that we're going to look at, we're going to look at two of them because they kind of go hand in hand. We're going to look at the elders that are sent and then the friends that are sent just a couple of verses later. So these two first groups that we look at, we see the elders mentioned in verses 3 through 5 who come to Jesus on behalf of the centurion. And in verse 3, it says that uh, the centurion sent some Jewish elders asking him, Jesus, to come and save the life of his slave. Then these friends are mentioned just a few verses later. After Jesus begins coming, it says in verse 6 that when he, Jesus, was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends saying to him. And so these friends took another message to Jesus as Jesus was coming. So these elders and friends that are sent, they they play a fairly similar role as they uh, play their part in this story. So the messengers... Uh, for the centurion, both the friends and the elders, they go and, and they take a message from the soldier to Jesus. And as they're doing that, they advocate for Jesus. Jesus, this is a great guy. You need to, you need to come and, and heal this servant. They advocate for Jesus to heal the servant. But what we see with the elders, I, I want to look at them specifically for just a minute because uh, the elders comment saying that Jesus loves our nation. It was a true statement. It probably indicates that uh, this centurion, this soldier, uh, we know that he was not a Jewish person, he was a Gentile, but it indicates that he was probably what they would describe as a God-fearer. Now what that means is that he was someone who accepted, who believed that uh, the Jewish God existed, that that the God that we worship existed, uh, but that he probably declined to become a uh, religious, ritual-following Jewish uh, convert, a follower of Judaism. So uh, we see that in the elders' response, but then, but then we have a little bit of an uh-oh moment, right? We, we look at the way that these elders uh, come to Jesus and, and respond and, and, and make their argument before him, and we have a little bit of a, oh, oh, guys. So what we see here is as the elders come before Jesus, they are understandably generous in their assessment of this Roman soldier, but their rationale had a flaw in it. See, their, their rationale for coming to Jesus, what was their argument when they came to Jesus? They said, Jesus, this guy is a good guy. 
you should grant him his request. Why? What does it say? It starts to point to the fact that he did external things that were beneficial for the Jewish people. He loves our nation. He, he built us our synagogue. They're not internal traits that Jesus perhaps would have been looking at. They, they don't say anything about his humility. They don't say anything about his uh, godly uh, disposition. They point to the external things. See, they, they lauded this centurion for the kind of works, the kinds of, of external things that he had done, not the type of person that he was. This is a problem because this is something that we don't just see in this story, but we see time and time and time again from, from Jewish leaders, from, from people who were either religious leaders or, or people in that day, right? They had this idea that, that if they looked right on the outside, if they, if they checked all the boxes, if they dressed a certain way, if they, they made sure they followed all the rules on the Sabbath, they, they checked all the boxes off, God was going to look at them and God was going to be pleased. We can point to that and say that, that they somehow believed that they were going to earn their salvation, right? If we do all the things that God tells us to do, if we look right, if we look the part, if we, if we check all the boxes, God will be pleased with us. We see that from these elders, the uh, way that they speak of the centurion. They look at all the externals. But as they look at these externals, as they make their argument before Jesus, what they're missing is something that, that we're really going to hone in on in just a second with the centurion, the fact that, that his heart was pure, that, that the humility, that the faith, that the things that he had, not on the outside but on the inside, were absolutely astounding. So let's look now at the centurion, our second character that we're going to see. Uh, instead of trying to, to remember back to the way that we read through the whole thing, we're going we're gonna to focus in now on the centurion, and we're going to read the entire section again. And I want you to listen for all of the different things that, that happen with the centurion as we go through this story. I'm going to read the whole section for you again, starting in verse 1. It says, When he had completed all his discourse in the hearing of, his peop- of the people, he, Jesus, went to Capernaum. And a centurion's slave, who was highly regarded by him, was sick and about to die. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him, for he loves our nation, and it is he who built us our synagogue. Now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. Just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man placed under authority, with soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him, and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. We see here, as, as we look at the, the story of this Roman soldier, this centurion through this section, we know first a few simple basic things. First off, this centurion, by his name, by the title that they describe him as, we don't know uh, his proper name, but we know his role. So we know as him being identified as a Roman centurion that he would have been a commander of about 100 men. Makes sense, right? 
A century is a hundred years. A centurion is the commander of a hundred men. The Roman army was notorious for its use of force. If you've studied any history, you know the reputation that the Roman army had. They were a brutal group of people that, that got things done by whatever means necessary. They were a brutal people, and this centurion, just by nature of his role of, of being in charge of about 100 soldiers, he had some control, some power that other people would look at him. He wasn't the top dog, but he had some power. But this centurion was different than many of the other centurions. See, this commander was a loving man. We see this from a couple of different things that happened in this story. He was a loving man. The first thing that we see that with is that we see that he was a loving man because he loved his slave. Verse 2 says that a centurion's servant who was highly valued by him was sick. Roman soldiers did not ordinarily value anything beyond how it could serve them, much less highly value them. But this man cared a great deal for his servant, not just because he was a utility, not just because he was a tool to be used up and discarded like other soldiers may have viewed him, but because he was a loving person. We see that he loved this slave. We, we also see that he loved his subjects. In verses 4 and 5, it says, uh, as the elders are speaking to Jesus, talking about the centurion, they said, he is worthy for you to grant this because he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. The leaders of Israel testified to the fact that this generous soldier gave and gave and gave, that he loved Israel, that he loved the people that he was responsible for overseeing and for making sure followed the rules that Rome had set out for them. When they said that he had built our synagogue, it could mean a couple of different things. It could mean that he paid for the synagogue. It could mean that he provided the labor for the synagogue. But regardless of exactly what that looks like, we can tell that he was generous to the people of Israel beyond what he needed to do. He was just there to, to keep the peace and to oversee his men and to play his role, but, but he gave of himself generously beyond what he needed to. We see that he loved his subjects. We also see that he loved authority and that he loved submission. In verse 8, it says that uh, the centurion speaking here, he said, For I too am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under my command. I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. See, this is a man who understood, who respected authority, who respected the hierarchy that he was a part of. He said, I have men who are responsible, who, who follow authority under me. If I give them an order, they do it. They, they submit to the authority that I have in their life. But this centurion also acknowledges that he is not all-powerful, that he's not the top dog. And, and what he does when he comes to Jesus and, and humbly asks Jesus for his help, what he's doing is acknowledging, I have men who respect my authority, but Jesus, now I'm coming to you and humbling myself before your authority. I'm humbly bringing myself and, and embracing the posture of submission. See, out of all these things, he, he, he loved the servant. He loved the Jewish people. He loved an understanding of that hierarchy. But, but one thing in this story that he did not love that a lot of people, it's strange that he didn't love this thing. See, the one thing that he did not love that we see in this story is that he did not love himself. He was a humble person. 
He was a humble man. In, in verses 6 and 7, we see him talking to Jesus say, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to even come under my roof. For this reason, I didn't even consider myself worthy to come and speak to you. But just say the word and my servant will be healed. See, even though he was a man of authority and he understood the position that he was in over top of these other men, and he understood the, the power that he had, that limited as it may be, he had some power. See, he didn't let that go to his head. He didn't let the, the, the position that he had puff himself up to believing that he was bigger or more important than, than he really was. He didn't even think that he was worthy to, to go to Jesus and to make a request. Jesus, I'm not worthy to even come bother you. Jesus, I, I don't want to steal any of your time, but, but what I, I would love is I, I know your reputation precedes you at this point. See, as we've been looking at these stories of Jesus healing the sick and, 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 and speaking to nature and changing the weather or, or changing uh, the situation as someone was demon-possessed and, and Jesus cast out the demons, his reputation had made its way to this Roman soldier. Jesus' reputation had, has made, had made its way to this man. And as he is hearing about this, as he is hearing about Jesus who is, is doing incredible things, see, he acknowledges Jesus has authority that, that I don't have. Jesus has authority that I don't have, and, and in his understanding of who he was and his understanding of who Jesus was, we see two essential truths. See, the first truth that we see is that he understood himself. This centurion, this, this Roman soldier, he understood accurately who he was. He had some responsibilities, but he also had a, a wholesome consciousness of his unworthiness as he came and addressed Jesus. See, for all of us, every single one of us here, whether we are in charge of a hundred men at work like this centurion was, or whether we are just here as a student, maybe you don't feel like you're in charge of anyone right now, right? I know I felt like that when I was in middle school, high school. I see some of you guys sitting down here whether you're in charge of a lot of people or in charge of absolutely no one in life right now. You know what? This soldier understood his position. And what else he understood was the fact that, that when God looks at him, and guys, I'll, I'll fill you in, when God looks at us too, in the exact same way as, as this centurion understood, when God looks at us, what he sees is first and foremost someone who has broken his law, is someone who has broken his command, is someone who is, as Colossians chapter 1 describes it, says that we were once far away from God. You were once his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. See, we are described in Scripture several different times. Romans chapter 5 talks about it as well. We're described as enemies of God. We are not on our own good enough for God to look at us and go, you know what, that's a good guy. If we come before Jesus and make the argument like the elders did for the centurion, he's done lots of good things. He's, he, he, he built our synagogue. He's done, he, he loves the Jewish people, and so, Jesus, that guy deserves your favor. If we come before God with the argument, look at all the things we've done. Look at all the things that we've done to, to serve you. 
to play our part. You know what Jesus is going to see? A whole bunch of we didn't make it. A whole bunch of we don't measure up to God's standard. See, God is absolutely perfect. And if the standard is me comparing myself to, to you guys, I can, you know, sometimes I can make the argument, oh, you know, I'm not so bad. I'm better than Bill. I'm better than Dave. So if I'm better than those guys, God's going to, you know, God's going to grade on a curve a little bit, right? No. See, God doesn't grade on a curve. We like to compare ourselves to each other and go, well, I'm, I'm better than them. But you know what God does? God doesn't grade on a curve. God grades on his standard comparing us to him. And God is always perfect in every moment. Every action is right. Every deed that he does, every word that he has spoken, every motive with which he has done things, everything about God is absolutely perfect. And so when we compare ourselves not to each other, but to him, we come up short. 99% is a failing grade in this one. The centurion saw himself as he truly was, that he was not worthy to come before Jesus and to ask for this favor. But you know what else he saw? He also saw that he, he saw Jesus as he is. If we just focus on ourselves and just focus on our sinfulness, that can get us in a lot of trouble. We can, we can walk around uh, kicking rocks and, and with our heads down pouting about how terrible we are. If we just focus on ourselves, see, that's, that's only part of the story that we have to remember that the Bible tells us. We are enemies of God. We are unworthy, but, but we also have to remember to not just walk around with our heads down, but to lift our eyes. And when we lift our eyes and we see not just who we are, but who Jesus is, well, that changes the story a little bit. The centurion not only saw himself for who he was, he saw Jesus for who he was. He recognized that Jesus was the Son of God. We see that as he talks about Jesus' authority, as he refers to him as, as Lord, which means boss, as we've talked about several different times already in Luke. The centurion not only regarded himself as undeserving of having Jesus come under his roof, as undeserving of meeting Jesus in the street, he also knew that Jesus was a loving, generous, kind, forgiving man. He knew all these things that that, that reputation of Jesus had preceded him to the point where he knew, even though I don't deserve it, you know what? There's a lot of other people that didn't deserve it either, and Jesus chose to show kindness to them and show love to them. And if Jesus was willing to love them, maybe, just maybe, not, not because I deserve it, but because of who he is, he'll show kindness to me and, and heal my servant as well. See, looking at this centurion should remind us we, we cannot see, we, we cannot accurately see Jesus. We cannot accurately respond to Jesus until we truly know who we are and who he is. So let's look at Jesus. We see Jesus in our story too. We're gonna look at Jesus. We see him most clearly talked about in verses nine and 10. So I just wanna read for you guys verses nine and 10 again as we see Jesus's response here. It says in verse nine, now when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I found such great faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Jesus responds to the plea to go. 
when the elders come to him at the beginning of our story, they say, Jesus, you need to come heal this man's slave. Jesus responds, right? He, he responds and he goes and begins moving towards the place where this servant is sick. Jesus was going to go out of his way to heal this man or woman. It's another illustration of Jesus' love for people and Jesus' authority over sickness, over nature, like we've seen so many other times in Luke. But Jesus saw two important details in this centurion that I think are important for us to note. See, the first thing that he sees in this centurion is he, he recognizes the quality of this man's faith. And the second thing that Jesus sees in this soldier is he recognizes that his faith supersedes the faith that Jesus has seen in God's chosen people, in the Jews. See, it, it, it's really interesting here. It, we may read this and blow past it, but, but when we read verse 9, it says, When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, the soldier. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. See, this was something that I, I thought was interesting. There's only two different places in Scripture that the Bible tells us that Jesus was amazed, right? Two different places in Scripture that Jesus was amazed. This is one of them. The other one was uh, when Jesus was beginning his public ministry in his hometown in Nazareth. And his fellow Jews rejected him. We see it in Mark chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 4. It says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Not a good amazed, he was a bad amazed. I can't believe that you guys don't even believe. I, I'm from here and you guys don't see it. This centurion's faith is the only place in all of recorded history that we see that Jesus was amazed in a good way. Jesus is blown away by this man's faith by this man's simple response, that as he humbly comes before him, that he, he doesn't even come before him, right? As he humbly sends other people to come before him, says, Jesus, I know you are good, and I know you are more than capable of, of healing my slave. I have a, a person that I love that needs your help. Would you help? But don't inconvenience yourself. I know that you have the power that, that you can do anything just say the word. I have people that, that I tell this slave, go and do something, and I, I know that he does it because of my authority, the authority that is placed in me by the Roman government. The authority that is placed in you is much greater, exponentially greater than anything, any power that, that I have as a Roman soldier. You don't have to come to my house. You don't have to inconvenience yourself. But I know that you're powerful, and I know that you're good. Would you please just say the word. Just say the word, and I know it will be done. I know with absolute certainty, I, I, I don't need to come see you. I don't need you to come see him. I know that the authority that you have, you will accomplish what you say. The central lesson of this centurion's story is the nature of this man's faith. The nature of this man's faith, because when we look at this soldier, we see that his humility has allowed others to honor him as a worthy man. But standing there, preparing himself to, to make a request before Jesus, standing before the presence of God's messenger, he understood that God owed him nothing. He did not feel worthy of being visited by Jesus, but he also understood God's authority to heal. He also understood God's compassion. And he believed that Jesus could heal by a simple word. Such faith and such humility in approaching God's power 
was those simple things that blew Jesus away, that amazed Jesus. What this passage is calling us to tonight is to respond in the same way that this soldier does. It's calling us to possess a similar faith that this soldier possessed. See, we're here tonight, and and just in the same way that this centurion made his request, God owed him nothing, and God owes us nothing. But, but, even though God owes us nothing, even though we don't deserve it with anything that we have accomplished externally, God chooses to extend compassion to us. And we see that in, in, in a couple of different ways, right? See, I, I look around this room and I see a lot of people that have come to church a lot of other times. And so I don't want to make any assumptions from any uh, previous uh, things that you've heard. And, and, and if the message for you tonight is that God wants to forgive you and, and allow you to become a child of his in faith, well, that is absolutely true. See, the, the, the simple truth of the gospel is that we don't deserve anything from God. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't, we don't deserve any of those things. But God because he is merciful, because he chose to love us, because, not because of us, but because of how great he is and how loving he is and how kind he is. The God of the Bible, Jesus, is far different than any other religion that you will ever find. It's far different than than any other religion that you may consider or choose to follow. Because the thing that's special about Jesus is that while other religions tell you, follow all these rules, earn all of these things, do all these things, look good enough on the outside that, that like those Jewish elders said a few verses ago, a few moments ago, look at all the good things that they've done. They deserve it. See, Jesus doesn't work that way. Christianity doesn't work that way. Thank goodness for that, right? I don't know about you guys, but I definitely know all of the bad things in my life and Thank goodness I don't have to stand up here and tell you about all of them. But, but there's a lot of bad things in my life that I know God knows and I know and I don't want you guys to know. But God loves me in spite of who I am. We talked about it a few weeks ago. God showed his love for us that even though we are sinners. He sent Jesus to die for us. That he forgives sinful people like me and like you. That's the good news of Christianity. And so if that's the message that you need to hear tonight, if that's the message for you, that's a really good one for you to take away from this. The faith of the centurion is the faith that God wants to to give to you tonight. But you know what? There's a message for a bunch of us that have, have, we've kind of taken that step, right? Maybe you've taken that step You've become a Christian. You've, you say, yeah, God, yeah, forgive me for my sins. And so he looks at you now and he says that you are made just and made right in his sight, that, that you have been forgiven ultimately, that, that you have a home in heaven one day, but, but there's more, right? There's more. Because in the face of all of that incredible news that, that we can be forgiven, that we can be called sons and daughters of God. You know what else comes along with this grace, with this humility, with this faith that we see in this soldier? We see a daily path that is absolutely the greatest path that anyone can ever walk. Jesus 
talking in the Gospels, he said, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the fullest. See, the good news for us of the gospel, for for those of us who have already made that step of, of saying, Jesus, you're my Savior. Jesus, you're my Lord. The good news is that in this faith that we see in this soldier, there's a path that we get to walk every single day as well that acknowledges that, that even though we are not good enough on our own, even though we fall short of the mark sometimes, even though we, we still sin, right? We still come up short of what God's expectations are for us. Even the life of a Christian, we come up short. We know what we're supposed to do, but we don't always do it, right? You know what the good news of this is? The good news of this gracious Jesus who went and chose to to heal this servant by just a word. He's the same Savior who, who looks at us and says, stop focusing on the mistakes that you made yesterday. Stop focusing on the mistakes that you made, the, the sins that you've committed even today. Stop focusing on the sin. The sin and focusing on the sin is what the devil wants to do to make you feel defeated. He wants you to focus on all the ways that you failed so that you feel trapped and so that you stay in that path. But what Jesus has said in Scripture and what Jesus is saying to you today is that you don't have to be trapped in that pattern. You don't have to be trapped in that loop of sinning and feeling bad about it and going back to that sin again and and sinning and and, and feeling like God rejects you or God hates you or, or God doesn't love you anymore because you're not worthy. Guys, great news. We're not worthy. And he chose to love us anyways. God owes us nothing, but he chooses to extend compassion to us anyways. So here's our takeaway. Here's our question for tonight as we finish up. Based on the example of of the humility of the faith that we saw with the centurion, I have two questions for you. How do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus as a genie? That you come to Jesus with your prayers and you say, Jesus, I need you to heal my servant. I need you to, 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 to heal this family member. I need you to, to do this thing for me. And he's kind of like the genie where we rub the lamp and we get three wishes. Except we probably all asked for a lot more than three wishes from this genie, right? Do we view Jesus as our genie that we get to come to with our problems and then we're going to go and do our own thing? Or do you see Jesus as Lord, like this soldier referred to him as, like the disciples referred to him as, like we are talking about him being, we've talked about this for a month now, as Jesus was teaching in that sermon on the the flat spot on the side of the mountain that we talked about for the last month or so. Talked about the path of, of how we follow Jesus day in, day out, about how he gets to be boss, he gets to be king, he gets to be in charge as best as we can control it in everything in life. So what's your faith tonight? Is Jesus your genie? Or is Jesus your king? In just a moment as we finish up, our prayer team is going to be over here to the side. If you would like to talk to someone, if you would like to pray with someone, if you just want to come over and say, guys, I need help and you guys need to pray for me. They would love nothing more than to do that. Come over after the service is over and pray with our prayer team. Would you guys pray with me now? God, we thank you for 
We thank you for the example of this Roman soldier, this man who is not naturally someone from the family of God, just like I'm not. God, we're not Jewish people, most of us sitting here tonight, but God, we are people who can come to you and by faith in the work of Jesus, because of simply the fact that he was loving enough and generous enough and kind enough to go to the cross for people that didn't deserve it like me. God, because of that fact, we can come to you in faith tonight and know that you hear us and know that you love us and know that we can be called your child. God, I pray that tonight as we remember and realize and and pause and look at the example of this centurion, God, help us to be people of faith like he was. God, help us to be people of humility like he was, to realize that we are not enough, but you are. God, we come to you tonight and we pray that you would do your work in us that only you can do. God, we are not worthy, but you are. And we praise you for it and we thank you for it and we lift up your name, declaring your greatness tonight because you deserve it. We love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Amen.